Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for coming back. It's always a surprise when people come back, you know, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, again, that's what the bishop used to say. Uh, the other week I, I made that comment, you know, keep coming back. And and when we actually do, it's like, oh shit, now we got to have, okay, brother so-and-so give a talk. <laughs> no, I, I seriously was in a ward where... Uh, we were so hard up for people to fill all the callings that we challenged one brother that if he'd quit smoking, he could become the executive secretary. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, anyway. Ah, nice. It's a good thing God inspired you guys to do that. Yeah. That it yeah. wasn't out of desperation. And it, it was a win-win because he, you know, he quit smoking. Oh, well, there you go, At least which for, is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. That is a good thing. Um, so, uh, hey, before we jump into the actual episode topic that we're focusing on today, uh, we've, you know, and you can already see what the name of the title is, but we'll reserve the uh, some of the background for that title, other than the fact that it is close to Halloween as we record this. Um, so it's timely, but we'll get a little bit more into that in a moment. So, um, yeah, so we're going to jump into uh, one of our favorite routine segments with talking about the LDS Church in the news. All right. This actually relates directly to our topic today that you'll discover. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start with this. So the title of this article in the Salt Lake Tribune Quote, the LDS Church opposes proposed Utah rule that would ban, quote, conversion therapy, unquote, unquote. Because <laughs> I quoted twice, so I have to have two closing quotes. <laughs> uh, we, I think we may have mentioned this before. In an, uh, this is not new, new. This is, you know, recent. But, but this whole uh, conversation and this proposed Utah rule came up a while ago now. Um, but th this is another article on it. And so there's been a, a rule proposed in Utah uh, that would uh, that would ban this concept of conversion therapy. Now, conversion therapy, for those who aren't aware, it's pretty well known. But if you're if you haven't been following that as a topic, it's the idea that if I have an LGBTQ affiliated individual or somebody thinking along those lines, especially a minor who starts expressing these thoughts or feelings, whatever, um, I have a window of opportunity where if I appropriately meet with them and, and conduct therapy with them, I can convert them back to a natural state of, uh, <laughs> of of being uh, sexually attracted to the opposite sex. Um, I so uh, the, yeah. sorry, real real quick. I had a, <laughs> I had a thought from Cheech and Chong, uh -oh. where Cheech is up on the stage, and he's us using some wacky Irish accent or something. He says, "Oh, I'm going to perform an unnatural act." <laughs> That sounds like Monty Python. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, the whole uh, uh, something about me bum, the whole bum skit was, uh, anyway, all, all sorts of memories coming back now. Um, so this was posted, uh, published on October 15 
update updated October 16. So what is that? 11 days ago, 12 days ago. The Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints on Tuesday opposed a proposed rule that would ban Utah-licensed mental health professionals from using conversion therapy, such as trying to turn a gay child straight or alter a minor's gender identity. Um, so the church said, uh, quote, the church is concerned that the proposed professional licensing rule is ambiguous in key areas and overreaches in others, unquote. Uh Let's see. We therefore oppose the proposed, the proposed rule in its current form and respectfully request that it be appropriately amended. The Utah lawmakers provides, okay, it, alternatively, it asked that Utah lawmakers provide statutory guidance on this important issue. So they're trying to be kind of a little sly. They're saying, well, we don't oppose the idea in general. We just oppose this rule the way it's written currently. Which, you know, on the one hand, that can be real a really good point in proposed, you know, state rules, state uh, whatever uh, uh, laws, etc. Uh, on the other hand, it it's often a ploy used, this kind of backdoor, you know, oh, we don't oppose this thing directly, just the way it's written. That kind of backdoor sly approach is often used by the church to promote its beliefs honestly especially in the state of utah yeah where it wields oh, a yeah. lot of power um and so the proposed rule change was crafted at the behest of governor gary herbert who said he has quote concerns about some of the abuse that i've heard talked about unquote well look back and weren't this isn't what our episode's on today but back in this especially the 70s and 80s um the lds church directly sponsored conversion uh, efforts uh, and aversion. It's called aversion and, and conversion therapy uh, at, at institutions like BYU, for example. Uh, and there's, there's testimonies from students who attended the school at that time period that were put through this aversion conversion therapy. And it was pretty barbaric. Um, yeah, pretty yeah. bad shit. I mean, Shock oh, and, and so they'd give them drugs. They'd hook them up to an IV that makes you throw up when they would show them, for example, porno- pornography uh, that was, let's say it's a, a, a man who's identifying as gay. They would show gay porn to the guy while he was hooked up to this drug that made him puke. And so they're trying to create aversion to you know, gay sex. And then they well, take him off the drugs right. when they showed him, right. you know, heterosex yeah. and say, see, this exactly. is good. It doesn't make you throw up. And that was the conversion side. So God, again, I want to give the, the poor guy a break. Cause he screwed up <laughs> when he, when, he, <laughs> when he made these people and they have these tendencies and, and, uh, and they're all wrong. So we're actually, what we're doing is a reverse role of God. Mm -hmm. We're playing God, essentially doing something like that, trying to reverse what was created in that person, Mm -hmm. I guess. Sounds pretty. Yeah. Yeah. That's you're right. Um, And, and of course, none of these types of news articles would, would be complete 
without a, 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 a humorous church statement. Um, so the one in this article is, uh, the church denounces any abusive professional practice or treatment. Uh, now is the word they forgot. <laughs> because cause they used to yeah. do it. <laughs> so, well, now we denounce that type of treatment. Yeah, and it included shock Whoops. therapy, to your point. They would hook wires up to these guys' genitals. And they would shock them if they, uh, for example, if they were stimulated, you know, had an erection or something while they were watching gay porn or whatever, they would shock them. Yeah. Wow. Uh, talk about abusive. I mean, it, it was pretty bad shit. So anyway. What it sounds like you're going to create there is not a heterosexual person, but a serial killer. <laughs> It'd be so, so pissed off after it was over. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, crazy stuff. Anyway, uh, that's Church in the News today. How about we spin right off into For Your Information? What do you think, Dave? Okay, let's pick it up. And I hope that uh, you guys are enjoying this. I, I try to keep this somewhat brief. Uh, I think it's very interesting, uh, troubling, and humorous at the same time. Uh, let's pick it up in uh, 1856, November 9th. And this this is an interesting thing. We're going to have a few quotes here about the Willie Handcart Company. Who's who's Willie? Uh, Willie and the Willie. Wind? What? I... Willie and Martin, <laughs> and, then, and then about the Mountain Meadow oh. Massacre. Willie. <laughs> Willie and the Poor Boys. Yeah, Willie and the Poor okay. Boys. So it just talked about them uh, arriving in Salt Lake. That's it. So here, what was happening, by the way, and I may have uh, referenced it, uh, brought it up before, is what they called the Reformation. And so people were being rebaptized. It was like a reawakening, a recommitment to uh, Mormonism. and. Uh, they basically called it the Reformation. Hey, just so, stop on uh, you for a second mm-hmm. there. Why would you be yeah. rebaptized? What's the purpose? I mean, I get it. It's like an well, outward manifestation. I'm recommitting. There's actually a story about that in the Book of Mormon, right? Where the people were all, like Alma himself or something was rebaptized as an outward commitment that he was recommitting himself. Yeah. Like you need to be baptized again. I mean, that's what the sacrament is for. We were taught in the church. Um, so anyway, that's a whole nother side segment. I won't go down that rabbit hole. There is a splinter of the Mormon church that gets baptized like once a month or whatever, as this outward manifestation, like in the book of Mormon, that they're recommitting themselves. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to it. Sorry. All right. November 26th. This is pretty funny. Deseret News publishes a new hymn entitled The Reformation. And the fourth verse went something like this. We ought our bishops to sustain, their councils to abide, and knock down every dwelling where wicked folks reside. Oh. <laughs> All right. That's wonderful. Let's go tear some <laughs> It's so catchy. <laughs> it's so catchy. Joseph would, uh, hey, I'm writing this down, Bill. 
what rhymes with uh, uh, abide? Uh, 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 reside. reside? <laughs> How can we throw that in? Oh, yeah, oh, oh my man. God! Yeah. Okay. Anyway. There, uh, well, I'll I'll just read it because th- this was a crazy time in the church. Uh, the next year, 1857, January 27, when Ward Bishop asks what should be done with Mormons who commit abortions, Brigham Young replies, tell them that if they have destroyed children heretofore, not to do so any longer. But he makes no reference to punishment for abortion. Huh. Inter- you know what yeah. that makes me wonder? If you look back, any time Brigham was like... Externally, he appeared light on a certain action. It's because he was involved in that same thing. Like, remember the quote, uh, you gave a quote or two a while back. I think it was from Quinn's material about uh, Brigham saying, I don't, like, I don't take a bath. I I don't, I'm not pushing the whole bath thing. He also said at one point, he wasn't really hard on people drinking because he had a drink now and then, you know, that whole thing. Um, yeah. It's justifying right, his own Right, right. Uh, so I think, behaviors. yeah, I think of that so, and that he didn't mention a punishment. And I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe Brigham was, uh, I don't yeah. know, whatever. Anyway. He was involved in most likely yeah. everything that everybody else was. But uh, And now another quote, a lot like one I, I've read earlier, and there's there's more of them. Brigham Young, February 8th, 57. Will you love your brothers and sisters likewise when they have committed a sin that cannot be atoned for without the shedding of their blood? Will you love that man or woman well enough to shed their blood? Blood atonement sermons are the most publicized feature of the Reformation. Wow. So it's it's a denial. Okay, it's justifying murder. Yeah. For one thing, the, the the worst sin ever, apparently, and it's denying the efficacy of the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Young openly what? taught. What? He openly taught that the atonement was not sufficient for certain sins. Yeah, for sure. That's where blood atonement wow. came in. Wow. Yeah. yeah. In fact, so, that's why Utah, for a long, long time, was one of the only states that still allowed a firing squad for execution because you would, your blood would be shed with bullets. Right. And so now I think they have since it could still be allowed. I don't know. I feel like it's finally been discontinued. I don't know. I didn't need to look that up, but anyway, yeah. Blood, blood atonement. Yeah. Hmm. These guys are just freaking animals, man. It's a, it's the Wild West. Ugh. Okay, this is a, one of uh, several events that sparked what became known as the Mountain Meadow Massacres. May 13th, murder of Apostle Parley P. Pratt in Arkansas by disgruntled legal husband of his last plural wife. So whatever story you're told about why he was murdered as some kind of martyr, no, he married some other guy's wife. The guy was pissed and wow. killed him. That's it. Wow. Now, why didn't I and know that? that? That's something I didn't know. I, I, wow. And then that group of uh, people coming from Arkansas is the Mountain Meadow. 
people. So they figured, oh, these guys were part of the murder. Okay. That was how did I miss all that? I thought the story I had heard was that the the group coming from Arkansas leadership told the Saints that they were from Missouri, not from Arkansas, to get them all riled up. Oh, Missouri, they they hated us and wanted to exterminate us. But that's not necessarily true. Maybe they were they told them, hey, these guys are associated with the people who killed Parley. Maybe. I don't know. That's hmm. Okay. Well, there's a few more few more quotes here that we'll get okay. into. Uh <laughs> this is Brigham Young again. He said, I feel to sustain him when informed that a local bishop, Warren S. Snow, has castrated twenty four year old Welchman for undisclosed sex crime. So <laughs> We don't even know what the crime was, but I'm glad you castrated the bastard, you know? No court. We don't even know what the crime was, but you're the bishop. You said he committed a crime. Oh, my God. So there's a lot of beheading and a lot of castration going on. Wow. Holy shit. Over and over it comes up in here. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Brigham Young, uh, June 28th tells Apostle Wilford Woodruff that the church president believes astrology is true. Young also has a bloodstone amulet for his protection. Huh. Yeah, I have to admit, look, I I wear a bloodstone ring, a bloodstone amulet. I I sleep with a bloodstone under my pillow. Uh, They work, man. Yeah, they work. (laughs) Well, he's taken up, you know, where Joseph left off. Uh, with amulets and other oh my god uh, astrological t- kind of shit wow oh, yeah uh, that's a topic yeah that's a topic uh, in and of itself we i know we say that like every episode oh that's a topic that's a topic that's a topic uh the church and it's tied to the yeah. occult way back with joseph it, it and actually hiram and were there other brothers that were mentioned by name? I know Joseph and Hiram. Uh, what was the other? Uh, their older brother um, starts with Alvin was involved as oh, well. Yeah, Alvin. Uh, and they oh, did yeah. occult stuff like the whole, you know, goat blood, draw pentagram shit. Yeah, they were really. Anyway, back to it. They have parchments in uh, D. Michael Quinn's other book, uh, Magic Mormon Worldview, Mormonism and the Magic Worldview, whatever. Uh, he's got a picture of one of the uh, parchments that was in the Smith home. Hmm. Um, On human skin? And it's, <laughs> well, probably. And it's, yeah, it's it's freaking witchcraft uh, and voodoo and all this shit. fucking crazy wow. shit. Okay. Apostle uh, George A. Smith preaches a fiery sermon at Cedar City in southern Utah. Okay, from all accounts, he leaves Mormons of southern Utah filled with hatred and fear of their approaching enemies. A clerk records that in the excited... Wait a minute. A a clerk records that in traveling north on August 25th, Smith meets a party of immigrants who seem to be much excited and placed on a double guard... As soon as they arrived, a few days later, that immigrant party camps further south 
at a place called Mountain Meadows. Oh. So talking about the excitement and anger that had been stirred up against church enemies before these guys, these immigrants were traveling through. So the timing was, uh, yeah. Hmm. So I'm going to skip this. This is just another oddball statement. Then we'll get right back to Mountain Meadows for a minute. Uh, (laughs) Apostle John Taylor preaches that Muhammad might have been a true one, meaning a prophet. He was probably a true prophet. That's cool. Um, <laughs> how Muhammad. does that work? Yeah. <laughs> you got to choose one side of the Abraham argument. <laughs> how is Muhammad uh, a true so, prophet? <laughs> so talk about loose cannons. Oh, my these, God. This was a, a, a house full of loose cannons. These, these 12. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Just Crazy shit. So now more detail. September 11th. That's the infamous date. 9-11. Members of Perowin's militia participate in killing 120 men, women, and children in Mountain Meadow Massacre. And then there's a lot of information. I just want to pull a couple things out. Brigham Young gives unsuccessful order to prevent massacre, but becomes accessory after the fact. He later tells participants that he approves of the massacre and lets them know he expects them to exonerate each other in a court of law. Mm. Nice. Then when total denial becomes impossible, Young scapegoats three men through excommunication and arranges for participants participants to testify against and convict them. Okay. Good stuff. Also, uh, he, uh, one, he got the, the goods. That they were carrying, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they yeah, were wealthy. young. Uh, well, they were, you know, as you would normally do if you're like, "Hey, we're picking up and we're moving to X place." You would bring your stuff with you. You know, you would bring as much as you could carry. You'd bring your your valuable goods, some of which you could trade right on the way for funds or whatever. So yeah, he got all that shit. Yeah, it's good stuff. So here, here's another uh, reference to this blood atonement. It's just crazy. Uh, at a weekly prayer circle, Samuel Sprague said, Brother Phineas Richards, a member of the Council of Fifty, spoke of coming in contact with our enemies. We have coveted, covenanted to avenge the blood of the prophets and saints. Why then should we hesitate to go forth and slay them? Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, yeah. What, one hmm. more thing. No, I, I hope you're right uh, that you identify the right uh, dude as your enemy. Uh, of course, men, women, and children whoops. were killed at Mountain Meadows, so I guess it doesn't really matter, right? Just kill them all. Okay. And we, they tried to scapegoat a lot of this onto the local Native Americans, okay? And that's a well-known part of the story. But here's one reason why that doesn't make any sense. September 29th. John D. Lee reports Mountain Meadow Massacre to Brigham Young and claims that Indians cut the throats of their women and children. This is not Indian practice, but is consistent with Mormon beliefs about blood atonement. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Indians didn't slit your throat. They might cut your scalp you. Yeah. Shoot shoot you with an arrow. You know, so that, whoops, not doing our research, are we? Okay, we're going to shift gears for 
just a couple more. I I might have to skip a couple of them because I got to get to one or two that are just. We got to have a little more laughter here. Apostle Wilf, Wilfred Woodruff, December sixth. God Himself is increasing and progressing in knowledge, power, and dominion, and will do so worlds without end. Hmm. Yeah. I mean that that goes in line okay. with the whole he started as a man and he's except what you know it is contradictory right because most leaders tell me if I'm remembering wrong I thought most leaders although they would say the yeah he started as a man thing he was kind of like Jesus he didn't sin right and Jesus only did what he saw his father do Joseph Smith doctrine right um but then he got yep. to a point where he was perfected well if you're perfected and you're omniscient, you know everything, how could you progress at that point? Um, yeah, so they yeah lots of contradiction. Yeah. Other, about a lot of basic doctrine. This, this is pretty big here. December 18th, Brigham Young says that when Salt Lake Temple is completed, under the pulpit in the West End will be a place to offer sacrifices. There will be an altar prepared for that purpose so that when any sacrifices are to be offered, they should be offered there. This supports reminiscence of Wandel. Yeah, not Randall. Wandel. <laughs> Elmore Fudd. <laughs> Wandel. Come here, Wandel. <laughs> I'm just reading oh this show, okay? Wendell Mace, that he heard Joseph give similar instructions to apostles in 1839. Joseph told them they must go to Kirtland and cleanse and purify a certain room in the temple, that they must kill a lamb oh, okay. and offer a sacrifice unto the Lord. All right. So he he forgot that he also taught blood sacrifice was ended with Jesus's sacrifice. Right, uh, I guess he. Yeah, the whole old law was fulfilled, yeah. hmm. and the great and final sacrifice was made. But I don't yeah. know. We're we're in spilling animal blood, uh, human blood. Hmm. Now this this is just funny. Uh, December twenty first, during a prayer circle meeting again, Heber C. Kimball says, "Tell Brother Pettigrew." to tell the devil to kiss his arse and come to circle meeting. <laughs> <laughs> tell the devil to kiss oh his arse. Oh, my God. Circle wow. Meeting. Okay. Circle meeting. That has nothing to do with circle jerk, right? Uh, or, no. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> one, one final one, and it's just because it's just so much fun. December 15th, and... and 1858, in reply to a man's request for divorce, President Young said that when a man married a wife, he took her for better or for worse and had no right to ill use her. And if she shit in bed and laid in it until noon, he must bear it until he gets power over her to learn her better. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh wow! Oh, holy shit! She just laid in it till noon. That's tough, tough, man. Deal with it. Oh wow! 
Oh man, therapy. Oh, oh my god. Thanks, Brigham, yeah. for providing <laughs> that gut busting. I think he missed his calling, man. He should have been a stand-up comedian. Oh wow. Wow. <laughs> All oh. right. Over to you, Mike. Whew. I don't know if I can follow that up. That's uh wow. That one, I was just like, he used the word shit, mm. you know, uh, for one mm. thing. Here's the, the living prophet. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, Dave, uh, you've got the little tidbit about the title of our episode today. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to go with uh, the Halloween theme. I had a dream. Uh-oh. Uh, sounds like Lionel Richie. I had a dream, an awful dream. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's not do that. Jeez. Don't uh, quit your day job. I had a dream. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> I saw in the distance, sounds like Lehi's dream now. Uh-oh. In the distance was uh, what looked like the temple. Uh-huh. And as I approached in the dream, yes, it was... Uh, the the great big oversized ornate doors to the temple, which are not used to enter the temple, uh, but that's what I approached. And as I got closer, I saw that there was a knocker on the temple. So I went to grab it and noticed it was a pair of brass testicles. <laughs> I think the reason that that image was in my mind is all of this shit about castrating people in the church. So, and and the one guy that they caught uh, committing adultery, they castrated him and and nailed his testicles to the doorpost. So that's probably where that came up in my dream. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Reluctantly, I fondled. I mean, I grabbed the. These brass testicles and boom. Yeah. Three loud booms. I mean. And, you know, and then like, somebody answered and said, what is wanted? No, it, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Close. Close. <laughs> so actually, yeah, it took it took a little while. The, the door began to slowly swing open. Creak. <laughs> I mean, this thing probably weighs 500 pounds. <sighs> and uh, I couldn't make out who it was. I looked a little closer and I thought, oh. It's Rusty Nell. <laughs> wow. I found the secret door to his office. Okay. And uh, he just looked at me and smiled and said, trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my there God. You go. Wasn't that title. your Wasn't that your role, though, to say trick or treat? I mean, no, you you were the one. To me. He said it to I you. Know. Yeah, he said it to me. Which is probably appropriate because yeah. uh, that's what you're asked by the leadership. Do you want a trick or a treat? Figuratively speaking. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, a lot of tricks have come down, huh? Mostly. The majority. So when you go out trick or treating in Halloween, nobody does tricks anymore. I don't think no, they just hand out treats. So in their goodness, the church wanted to bring balance back to that, uh, Holy (laughs) holiday, all Hallows Eve. Yes. And, uh, they decided we're going to offset 
this uh, multitude of treats with a bunch of tricks. So mm-hmm. when you join the church, you get a bag. When, just like when you go trick-or-treating, you never know what you're going to get. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're talking about some tricky business, having tricks up their sleeves. And uh, that would include everything. So it's a really nebulous subject title. It is. Yeah. Uh, but what we're focusing on for the last 20 minutes or so today is uh, the church's involvement in politics, which uh, is an interesting topic. So, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to start off with is, is there's this, I think it's pro-Mormon website, mormonfaq.com. I don't know. Let me scroll to the bottom. Uh, yep, not owned or affiliated with the church, but pro-church. Um, so there's an article here called, Why Does the Mormon Church Meddle in Politics? Is this frequently asked question, and this guy gives his answer that he has. And so it's interesting. So you've got three points here that he points out that the church has longstanding policy for regarding politics and the three components. So number one, political neutrality. I would hope so as a religion, uh, separation of church and state and all that good stuff. Number two, involvement in issues of moral or community. And number three, individual involvement is promoted. Okay, well, first of all, you got to understand that number two is in direct violation of number one. (laughs) Right? Typical. So if I'm going to be politically neutral, that includes political issues that I might view as, as having to do with moral or community issues. I still need to remain politically neutral. I can't Mm -hmm. say politically neutral dot, 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 except (laughs) when I perceive this to be an issue of moral community, that's not politically neutral. That's sometimes politically neutral, which is exactly how the church has behaved, which is interesting. And there are many arguments around this, and this is actually a pretty deep topic. We're not going to explore even remotely the right. all the facets of this topic in our remaining time in this episode, but we'll just touch on some highlights and a little bit of history. Um, but, you know, that's, that's an issue um, that the church has been criticized for through the years because they have gotten involved in politics. The critics have pointed out, hey, you know, go for it, but then you're, then you're a corporation, which they actually are. Uh, and so you need to behave like a corporation. You should be taxed like a corporation and then go for it, you know, make your little political stands, get involved, you know, fund, uh, you can use your money to fund efforts pro or against, you know, things that you, that you want to be pro or against. And then you're okay. Cause you're treated as you are like a corporation with a political stance. Um, but they're kind of trying to have their cake and eat it too. And so far they've been successful, which is kind of a head scratcher for folks like me who think that they should not have been successful. I get it in Utah because they're a huge force in Utah. Right, right. In Utah, the long running joke is separation of church and state is 10 feet. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> you know, right. uh, whatever. Uh, it's obvious. Yeah, this this yeah. is an unusual situation. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, get it, you know, and and that that's the concession. One of the concessions is if you want to live in Utah, you have to be okay with the fact that these things are going to happen. Uh, we still enjoy living in Utah. Speaking for myself and my family, there's a lot of fun things to do here. It's a beautiful state, naturally speaking. Um, we go out and ride trails and whatever, you know, so forth. But you have to understand there's some give and take. Um, I get it, right? It's not for everybody. Um, this is a great state. There's one comment on this blog, on this fact for this wow. article. So it tells me, you know, maybe not a heavily read blog. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> one comment, unless all the others were deleted. I don't know. So this is a call out to a gentleman named Tyler Judkins. So, hey, Tyler, if you happen to be a listener, what's up? I don't think you are because it sounds like this guy's active. Um, but Tyler Judkins said, I read on KSL that the church is opposing SB 132. He says, I sustained the leaders of the church to lead me in areas related to spirituality. I vote for officials to lead me in governmental matters. The church has clout because of its member base. I am one of those members. When I sustained my leaders, I did not sustain them to push any agenda that has to do with state matters. Please do not use my membership in Christ Church to push a political agenda that at least one of your members does not agree with. No. Good job. Yeah. Great statement, Tyler. Yeah. Very straightforward. And this talks to responsibility, ethical and moral responsibility, fiscal responsibility as well, if you're using money to promote your views. Um, When you represent a huge member base, you, you have a responsibility to that member base not to essentially misrepresent them, right? And so when the church takes a stance, it's openly going to be defying, by default, a certain percentage of the views of its members. And so, again, if you want to be a political party or, uh, or a corporation with a stance, in quotes, then advertise it. And pay your taxes and, you know, let people come and go as they will and, and they can support you or not. But anyway, this is a church. So that's that's an interesting tidbit there. Um, another little tidbit. So we mentioned this, I think, back when it happened earlier this year, the church assigning, quote, specialists to promote political activity in Utah. Mm. And it's yeah. like this calling where you're you're assigned as the ward political specialist, I forget the actual name of it, to help people in the ward who need assistance with, hey, how do I register to vote? How do I get active, you know, in politics, whatever. Again, this was promoted as a neutral action by the church. We just want our members to be more politically active. Well, what are you really saying with that? A good member, and you have a quote by Bednar that we'll share in a second here, a good member is going to follow the brethren in all things, including political stance, right? And so if I'm a good member and I see the conservative statements of the brethren and I want to follow them and vote accordingly, then uh, I'm going to vote that way. And if this guy's calling in the ward helps me get politically active, et cetera. This is kind of a backdoor way, again, very, very popular for the church, kind of this sly little backdoor way 
to promote their political agenda by getting more of their conservative member base active and voting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's been an issue, particularly in Utah, interestingly, because Utah has historically been kind of an apathetic state, not a great voter turnout, kind of this apathy by a lot of the members of, yeah, what God wants will happen. So I'm not going to even, you know, whatever. Right. And, and it, yeah. they don't vote, you know, and yeah. it's, it's, which it, yeah. yeah, that is ironic with every, uh, uh, two years and, and especially every four years, they will get up at the pulpit and read something from the first presidency that says something along the lines, we encourage you to get mm-hmm. out to the polls. That's part of your duty, your civic duty. Yes. But really part of your duty as, as a Latter-day Saint is to take part in, in the voting mechanism. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeez. Well, let us know, let us know what Bednar says. I mean, is okay. this just my opinion or does the church really want people to follow the line of the thinking of the brethren? I mean, what does Bednar have to say about that? This is from a talk he gave at Woodland, California State Conference, April 24th, 2016. Being a member of this church affects everything, where you go, where you don't go, what you think, fuck, there it is, what you don't think, what you speak, what you don't speak, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. There is no aspect of your life 24-7 that isn't influenced by your discipleship and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what he did there. He opened the comment. He opened it by saying, being a member of this church affects you in these ways. And you will do this because of your devotion. He, He switched it. Yes. Not because of your membership in the church. It's your devotion to Jesus Christ. Tricky little fucker. Yes. Lizard man. (laughs) Lizard man is, is, yeah, our favorite. You know what? uh, Uh, After watching that clip, and it was on Thinker of Thoughts, by the way. You can find it there. Shout Uh, out to Jonathan Streeter. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, I think Bednar is one of the scariest guys in the leadership. He's going to be... He's just scary to me. I don't he know why. He is a reptilian. Yes. Yeah. He he is uh he's a very scary individual. He has a very scary relationship with his wife. You could see that in her face and hear it in her voice when she spoke beside mm-hmm. him yes. in a couple instances yeah. and talked about his uh wow. Yeah, there's a whole conversation there. So anyway, I didn't yeah. have a chance to look it up, but in 1980 Bruce R. McConkie uh gave a, a conference talk where he said, if you will follow the brethren in all things, both religious and political. And I went, what? And yeah. I was, I was on my mission mm-hmm. when, so, and I'm like, did, what did he just say? I thought there was no undue influence about, and he just said, you know, basically you, you'd never gain the ultimate reward in heaven. If you don't, follow them on all things. What got me about Bednar's when he said what to think, what not to think. There it is in print over the pulpit. We'll do the thinking for you. Mm, Love it. Hell man. Yeah. Yeah. Pure element of a cult right there. Um, Yeah. Don't think we got that covered. 
Jesus. Yeah, we'll do all the thinking for you. Yeah, just give us your fucking money and uh, do what we say. Yeah, he's so uh, we can spend mm. your hard-earned money to support Proposition Eight, for instance. Yeah, that's that's part of the. That's yeah, you know, a little bit of stealing thunder there because that's part of uh, what we're Uh-oh. talking about in the church. No, that's good, man, because uh, we don't have a lot of time yet uh, left yet. Who? <laughs> 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 we're just starting the episode. Let's go, let's go back to the no. future. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, right. So there's a Wikipedia article. You know how I all I love. Wikipedia, right? Um, and I'll, I'll restate my little uh, disclaimer there. Wikipedia in and of itself is not a good resource. It's the resources from which it pulls, right? So there are 51 uh, footnotes in this particular Wikipedia wow. article that reference all sorts of historical documents, etc. That's what I look at. And I actually will double click right down into those documents a lot when I read these things to check the veracity of these statements. Um, but what I like about Wikipedia is it will, you know, if it does a good job, it will do a, you know, a nice summary of these things, which is what I look for. So anyway, yeah, this article and y'all can read it, obviously I'll, I'll post a link here. I, how hard is it to type into Google? Uh, the title of this is The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and Politics in the United States. Very interesting. And I'll just hit some highlights here uh, due to time. So it starts way back in the 19th century, goes all the way to the 21st century in kind of a history here. Uh, so starting with Joseph Smith, early LDS scriptures speak favorably of the United States government. Uh, the Book of Mormon contains a passage that favorably describes the American Revolution, for example. So again, when you think about the real origin of the book, this is Joseph Smith's mindset that we're mm-hmm. talking about. Yes. So he was favorable of the American Revolution, uh, gives divine credit to the establishment of the United States Constitution, that's mentioned. Uh But then things started to change. So in 1839, Joseph Smith visited U.S. President Martin Van Buren, one of those presidents that I always forget and would probably completely forget if he didn't have ties to the early Mormons, (laughs) uh, because that's what was happening, uh, to plead for the U.S. to help roughly 20,000 Latter-day Saints, settlers of Independence, Missouri. The governor of Missouri, Lilburn Boggs, where familiar with Boggs, in an attempt to resolve the 1838 Mormon War, had issued, that's something a lot of people don't know existed, by the way, had issued an executive order on October 27, 1838, known as, quote, the extermination order. It authorized troops to use force against Latter-day Saints to, quote, exterminate or drive them from the state, unquote. Now, as an as a act of LDS, I was always taught, you know, we were the underdogs, we were the abused, we being the Mormons. Uh, actually, the Missourians had some good reasons. <laughs> yes, they did. Yep. The Mormons were some, some hefty assholes. Uh, it was, uh, in many cases, deserved the treatment that, that they were getting mm-hmm. there. Um, Smith and his party appealed to members of Congress and to President Van Buren to intercede for the Latter-day Saints. According to Smith's grandnephew, Van Buren said to Smith, quote, Your cause is just, but I can do nothing for you. If I take up for you, I shall lose the vote of Missouri, unquote. 
There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, after failing to receive the assistance of the president, Smith took his case to the Senate Judiciary Committee, chaired by Senator Garrett Wall. The Judiciary Committee did nothing to help Larry Saints, lacking the political willpower to launch an investigation to the Mormon War. We don't want to spend much time on that, guys. Not enough energy and resources. You guys are just a cult. <laughs> Deal with wow. it. Deal with your effort. Basically, and, and so, you know, actually, I look at it differently uh, now than than I did back in the day. But anyway, the negative experience with Van Buren and, uh, and the Judiciary Committee uh, started decades of antagonism between the leaders of the church and the federal government. Mm-hmm. So that's that's when that all kind of started because of Joseph Smith being turned off by the government. So there was this white horse prophecy that followed from Joseph where he predicted that the United States Constitution would, quote, hang like a thread. Remember that quote? Uh, Ezra Benson referred to that a lot. A lot. Um, it contrasts with the pro-government rhetoric from the early 1830s and basically reflects Smith's changing attitude towards the U.S. government, um, that it would that the church would have to, to go into its re- rescue. Um, later on, Joseph himself runs for the president. A lot of people don't know that. In the 1844 U.S. presidential election, he ran as an independent uh, he uh, proposed the redemption of slaves by selling public lands <laughs> and decreasing the size and salary of Congress, uh, the seizing of imprisonment of criminals, the reformation of criminals, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read all that. But basically, Brigham Young, who campaigned for Smith, said, he it is that God of heaven designs to save this nation from destruction and preserve the Constitution, unquote. Oh. Except that he was uh, Smith was jailed and eventually killed by a mob. So I guess God was wrong again. Hmm. Dang it. Um, so God doesn't have a good track record with the Mormons. I mean, he's wrong a lot. It's, which is, I, God was still learning. He's still progressing, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And forever. Uh, then there's this long uh, entry here about Utah territory and statehood. The basic length of it is about polygamy, to be honest. That was a huge force in keeping Utah in this kind of political gray area that the Fed did not want to deal with because polygamy was an issue uh, and slavery. So when the pioneers came into Utah, they instituted slavery here uh, because, you know, that's what God wants. Hmm, Of course. Um, So another thing that isn't taught. The seed of ham, you know, those damn ham, hamites. Dan, <laughs> termites. What? What? Um, so, yeah, so the Mormons introduced slavery. Uh, obviously, polygamy was with them when they came in. Um, let's see. Then you had President James Buchanan. So he eventually sent U.S. forces. This is a story that I think Arza talks about in his book. A lot of people don't know about. Uh, the Fed sent soldiers to Utah in yep. 1857, 1858, and the goal of the soldiers was you're to oust Brigham Young from office and appoint a new governor over the territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these events were known as the Utah War. It never really took place. There's all sorts of really interesting history there. Maybe we'll talk about it at some other point. 
the the Mountain Meadows massacre occurred during that that context, eighteen fifty seven fifty eight, and then uh, in the outbreak of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was relieved to receive a telegraph reassuring from Brigham Young that the Utah Terry had no intent to secede from the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. Congress in 1862 passed the Moral Anti-Bigamy Act, M-O-R-R-I-L-L, Anti-Bigamy right. Act, uh, which perp- directly outlawed polygamy. Um, Lincoln chose not to enforce the law over the over the Mor- Utah Territory because uh, of his decision to leave the Mormons alone. <laughs> so Lincoln's just like, you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone, you Smart crazy man. Mormons. Really? Yeah. Really smart, yeah. Good he move. probably thought, you know, let's see what even happens with the Utah Territory, right? Let's see if they this just whole, kill each yeah. other off, castrate each other, and behead <laughs> each other to the point there's exactly. nobody left. <laughs> exactly, except Brigham and 13 wives, and he can just hang out. Um, so let's see. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, so there were these acts that went back and forth about polygamy, about slavery, slavery, etc. cetera. Uh, finally in, uh, 1895, uh, Wilfred Woodruff instituted a rule informally known as the Mormon political manifesto. Uh, general authorities should not seek political office without prior permission of the first presidency. Uh, they eventually outlawed uh, polygamy. That was a huge step in Utah becoming a state. Uh, there was Smoot who got involved, uh, who was, uh, anyway, whatever. There's all sorts of stuff here that my point is this. Um, when did the church get directly involved? So, um, in the 1990s, here, here's just some examples. So in the 90s, the church participated in an effort to prevent the passage of gay marriage in Hawaii. Uh, in 2008, you mentioned this, David, the church yep. was involved in promoting California Proposition 8, which would have prohibited same-sex marriage. Um, of course, that was not ratified or accepted. Um Let's see. But, you know, it's good to know where your tithing money is going. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, recently. So, by the way, the church. Oh, man, a lot of these. There's just too much here. So I'll give you. So the one of the quotes from uh, Holland. Jowls. <laughs> just call him Jowls. Uh, is, quote, the church has not given one red cent. Oh. Unquote. <laughs> To this effort of supporting property. lie. But, you know, he's really good at lying. I mean, he's, he he's is. an artist. He's a good liar. Yeah. He's no dodo. You have to remember <laughs> that. Uh, they contributed millions, at least a million dollars. I don't remember the exact amount. I, I think it amounted to millions. Not to mention yeah. a direct call to all the members to come up in opposition or in promotion of, mm-hmm. of Prop 8, right? Anyway, and then recently we've got another example of them uh, coming out and and uh, against this uh, Utah proposed legislation that would that would ban conversion therapy. It just goes on and on. They're directly involved in politics when they see fit for their own purposes. They do contribute tons of money when when they see that they want to support or or 
oppose a certain thing and uh, they're directly involved in politics. Now, why is that an issue? It's an issue because there is supposed to be a separation of church and state, including fiscal separation, monetary support, etc. If you you are that is one of the definitions of being a church in that you are separated from the state. If you don't act that way, you don't get to be a church and you have to pay taxes mm. and you have to uh, define yourself as as a non, you know, not a purely religious institution, essentially. Wow. Um, and so that's a big uh, criticism of the church in these things. So lots of lots of meaty tidbits in this Wikipedia article that I recommend you guys just take a read through. Um, just didn't have enough time to go through it in this episode. One, one, this is kind of off the subject, but it's happening right now. Uh, for years, Utah beer has been 3.2% alcohol. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it got to the point where we're the only state that sold that. Or, yeah. And one so, of the few. Yeah. yeah, one of the few. So the manufacturers finally said, we're not making that kind of beer just for you anymore. And so yeah, it's the, not worth it. They're yeah. phasing in the 5.0. And uh, I went down the beer aisle and half half the beer was gone. I thought, wow, what, what happened? And then here's this placard. You know, again, the undue influence of the church in affairs that they have no business being involved in. The list is endless, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to see here. There were a few states that had okay. it. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, so Oklahoma, Colorado, and Kansas recently voted to do away with okay. 3.2 so beer. They, they still had it. Leaving... Okay. Well, here's the shocker that I didn't know, leaving only Minnesota and Utah as states with the limit. Now, Minnesota, uh, I've always seen as like a beer drinking state, right? Minnesota, drink me some beer. What is it like uh, Milwaukee, um, Miller? Yeah. That's territory up there, right? Minnesota. Right. And wow, I didn't realize. So there was one, two, three, four, five, at least five states that had this. Three dropped it. So Minnesota and Utah only. Yeah. So as a manufacturer, I'm going to make this 3.2 beer just for Minnesota and Utah. No okay. thanks. So I, I heard it was just it. Utah. So there was two left. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it, economically, uh, that, that's not viable for a, a business. They're just looking no. at you know no. their business model, and that just doesn't make sense. So yeah. I, I don't know uh, uh, how many other little things – having tricks up their sleeve are going on where they're pulling strings and lining somebody's pocket to get something pushed forward. And I, I can only yeah. imagine the shenanigans going on. Well, the interesting combo with the beer thing is the Utah law, a Utah law was recently passed that lowered the blood alcohol limit yes. for DUI. Yeah. And so when you combine that with higher alcohol beer, you're basically telling people, you can drink a beer, right? That's it. Before you drink, or half a beer, or whatever it turns out to be, which is just silly, right? I mean, anyway, uh, interesting stuff. So, yeah, there you have it, folks. We're not. We're going to be by the time I add the intro and outro music, we're going to be over an hour in this episode. Man, naughty, naughty, talkative, talkative bastiches, bastiches, fargan ice holes. <laughs> Uh, we can't help it. 
Yeah, I know. Just too much to say. Our flapping jaws. Uh, <laughs> any any wise last words, Dave? Uh, be careful what you get put in into your little bag when you go knocking on trick or treaters' doors, and you know. And make sure ahead of time when they knock, look through the little peephole, make sure it isn't the missionaries. <laughs> Hang some brass testicles on your door. <laughs> I don't know what to say about about my dream state, but... Uh, oh, man. What a crazy dream, huh? Yeah. Kind of funny, though, too. Like, I would probably wake up and kind of laugh at that in my... It's simultaneous with my, like, disbelief and anxiety that i saw rusty nell face to face how yeah, tall he, is he do we know he's I don't about know. six six one or is two he? he's pretty tall oh really yeah tall dude yeah huh. okay yeah well <laughs> fun stuff uh well uh with that uh a a friendly wish for a happy and safe halloween to our listeners mm-hmm. and uh i know we'll have a fun one uh and um yeah peace be unto you right dave um i think vincent price could have done a little better than that anybody could have oh i should have got a sound clip of vincent price and put that i maybe i'll do that maybe i'll include a a vincent price laugh at the end of our episode perfect yeah and so guys take care love you and uh peace out as always bye bye (laughs) Ha 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 